This message is brought to you by Alliance Bible Church, located in Mequon, Wisconsin. For more information about Alliance Bible Church or other resources, please visit our website, myabc.church. Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to see you on this very warm, wonderful New Year's Eve morning. I hope that you had a great Christmas with family and friends, and if you traveled, that that was safe. I was worried that this Christmas uh, vacation was going to look more like uh, Ebenezer Scrooge's diary from December 24th in the morning than uh, than December 25th in the morning, because uh, as, uh, as I was preparing for this message, I was excited just to learn more about what joy comes from in Scripture and all those things, and the weeks and stuff leading up to Christmas, everything was growing great. My focus was on the Lord, I was just loving the study that I was getting to do, and then we started our Christmas vacation with these words. Do you think we should go get stitches? Not so much fun. And then later in the week, another sentence was, uh, was we were putting our kids to bed, now remember your bucket. So uh, I know that there's been lots of families that have had that, but you you wonder how is it possible in the midst of trials and uh, struggles, and I am not inflating our little little uh, troubles at all. But it's uh, amazing how God can bring joy and the sustaining power through God's word is just amazing that he can bring joy in any situation. And I hope that this morning as we reflect on the Lord's joy that our hearts are filled with joy as well. So as we uh, dive into this, uh, I just pray that uh, our hearts will be open to what the Lord has to say to us and that we enjoy our time together. As we think of the word joy, it's a pretty easy word to understand. It uh, gets reinstated into our vocabulary every Christmas and New Year's season. Um, I bet you if we did one of those man-on-the-street interviews, uh, we would have very similar uh, definitions for the word joy, no matter who you asked. But I wonder this question, if if we change the question just a little bit to where does joy come from, I wonder if that same group of folks would answer the question in the same way. See, joy is something that we often don't uh, think about too often because it's something that we think we just get, we think we just understand. Oftentimes, it's simply described as a feeling. Oftentimes, it's simply boiled down to something that warms our heart. It's also easy to, to think of the times when we've experienced and felt joy from something that was around us, a heartfelt moment from family or friends, or receiving a special gift on Christmas morning, or a word of encouragement uh, when someone offers us a helping hand. But if joy is simply a feeling, so in order to lead a joy-filled life, must I only pursue the things in life that bring me joy? Must I at all cost avoid anything that brings me pain? See, the problem with that is that is the very definition of hedonism. And as Christians, we know that we cannot go through this broken life that we have without enduring some sort of pain. But in the midst of that pain, is joy possible? I hope that we can look at that today and reassure ourselves today that in any situation, in any circumstance, we can look to the Lord for the hope that we have and the joy that is in him. You know, Jesus states in Matthew 5 that we are to count everything a blessing, that we are supposed to be filled with joy when we face persecution for his name's sake. We know that we're not going to walk this earth without enduring some pain. But just like, so we must recognize that joy, if it's just a feeling, can be swayed and led astray by our sin nature. So simply seeking after joy is ultimately not something that can be trusted as true and as pure. 
So is there a deeper sense of joy? Is there something that we can look to that is true and that is pure? This morning we're going to be looking at a passage from the Gospel of John in chapter 15. We'll be turning to that later. And the very words of Jesus are that our joy may be complete. Well, if Jesus tells us that our joy may be complete, joy must be possible in this earth. Joy must be possible in the midst of our brokenness, in the midst of our pains, in the midst of our, in the midst of our sorrows. So regardless of feeling, regardless of circumstance, how is it that we can come across this joy? Well, this was my endeavor as I worked uh, on this message this morning, and it was amazing to find out that in most modern translations, the word joy appears 220 to 250 times. One version of the, uh, a modern translation, joy occurs 333 times. And to comb through these verses, it was pretty obvious where joy comes from and what joy is. And this morning, we want to look at that. Um, but first, let's talk about some of the obvious uh, myth Sometimes we think joy can well up with inside of us. But this morning I want to look at uh, where joy does not come from. Joy is not something that humans can simply muster up. It's not something that comes from within us. We, in our broken state, are are in fact broken. God says in Galatians 5 that when a person is fully surrendered to the work of the Spirit within him, one of the results of this, one of the fruits of this, is joy. What this tells the reader is that God's spirit within us is what wells up joy for us. We do not have to make an effort to produce any of it. We just have to be the vessel in which God uses to reign completely and to produce joy. As people who love control, we often think that, you know, the fruits of the spirit, they're not that difficult, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We can generally get the idea that, you know, maybe these are things that we can handle on our own, but this passage in Galatians 5 shows us that these are things that are only can flow through the Father through us. So may we be people that understand that any joy that comes through us is from a source. It's from the Father. It's through the Spirit that is working in our lives. Second, we must understand that if joy is a fruit of the Spirit, then it is not earned. There is nothing that we can do, just like grace, to earn joy. There are times that we believe a lie that because of something that we have done or something that we, something that we are, that we can no longer have the right or the privilege to experience joy and nothing could be further from the truth. We punish ourselves, not permitting ourselves to experience this work of the Spirit within us. And if you are in this place this morning, I hope that this passage in the Gospel of John provides you a hope and a pathway to experience and receive joy in your life. Thirdly, joy is not simply an emotional high. Um, Oftentimes we think that we just need to fix our eyes on the next thing. What's the next thing that's gonna bring joy into our lives? Either it's a new hobby, a uh, a new relationship, a new business opportunity, whatever it is, we're always looking for the next thing to just bolster up our joy. And we need to make sure that we don't just think of that as a true definition of joy. I think the ultimate, nobody could top it, emotional high was a time when Jesus took his favorite disciples, his, his, uh, his disciples that were closest to him, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or sorry, that was, that's the Gospels. Uh, Peter, James, and John, he took them up to the Mount of Transfiguration. And there before him, the heavens opened up, Moses and Elijah joined them, and they worshiped the Father, they worshiped the Son in that moment, and God's voice came down from heaven saying that this is my Son whom I am well pleased. Obey him. 
And in that moment, Peter was just begging Jesus, can we stay here? Can we stay in this moment? This is the most joyous occasion I've ever experienced in my life. Can we stay here? I'll build a tent, I'll make a fire, I'll do whatever it takes to stay in this moment. And Jesus says, come with me. We're gonna go back to the broken world that we are a part of. And he tells him this crazy line, don't tell anybody what you have seen until my time has come. Don't tell anybody about this experience. This experience on a magnitude was just out of this world. They would have had TV programs just begging to interview them if they could have only shared what they have saw. People would have loved to know what Moses was all about, what he was up to. People would have loved to heard from Elijah. But he said to them, don't. Because he didn't want their joy to simply rest on just the portion of the story of Jesus that they knew. He wanted them to know the fulfillment of who he was, that he came to this earth Uh, to give himself as a ransom for our sins. He didn't want anything to distract them from that. It was a beautiful gift, but it's not a place where he wanted them to stay. An emotional high is not a place where we need to stay. If we think that joy is simply an emotional experience, then we are forgetting to uh, pursue God, and then sometimes we can forget to pursue God in the midst of our trials. We may believe that because of our broken situation, our broken circumstances, that joy is simply not possible. So instead of seeking emotional highs, we need to seek true joy and trust that he who, he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. We may forget, uh, we may take heart in knowing that he has truly, in fact, overcome the world. Lastly, we've talked a little bit about this already, but joy does not depend on your circumstances or your situations. In a room this size, there are certainly countless situations, circumstances, uh, times of trouble, heartache, pains. Whether these things are relational, physical, financial, or any other category that they might fall in, none of these things eliminate you from experiencing joy. We could go on about this for hours, but I simply want to offer a few scriptures to anyone that's finding themselves in this place where they aren't able to experience or they don't think that joy may be possible. Of course, whenever uh, um, we think of pain and sorrow and loss, it's easy to turn to the book of Job, a man who lost everything. And these were his words in, uh, in Job 6, verse 10. Then I will still have this consolation, my joy in unrelenting pain. Remember all that he went through in loss. That I did not deny the words of the Holy One. He took joy in turning to God in the midst of nothing. He took joy in knowing that if everything else was taken from him, at least he was obedient to the one who called him to be obedient. Another famous passage uh, Uh, about trials and uh, tribulations that we uh, face, James chapter one. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because knowing that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. How can we face the trials? How can we face the struggles of this life knowing that God is going to use them to bless us in the end? And when we do that, we can overcome them with great joy. And finally, speaking of Jesus, Hebrews says this in Hebrews 12, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right, at the the throne of God. How could anyone say that there'd be any joy in enduring the cross? 
Jesus must have the ability to transcend above the pain, to go beyond the pain, the suffering, the shame, as this verse speaks, to think about the end goal. He was obedient to the Father. He was sharing the Father's love with us by giving himself as a ransom. Lastly, in 2 Corinthians 2.8, in the midst of very severe trial, their overflowing joy and extreme and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Whenever we think that we are not capable of experiencing joy, one of the things that we often need to do is to seek how we can be generous in giving joys to, uh, joy to others. How can God work through us to be a blessing to other people? So we examined what joy is not rooted in. Let's look to the scriptures and see what joy is rooted in. And after reviewing the 220 to 250 verses, I came up with this one sentence for us to kind of understand, to encapsulate what joy is all about, and it is this. Joy is a response to the knowledge of who God is or the awareness of God's work on our behalf. Joy is a response to a knowledge of who God is or the awareness of God's work on our behalf. Throughout scriptures, there would be great joy that would come over his, uh, God's people when God would reveal more of who he is to them or when his people would take time to reflect on God is, on who God is, his holiness, his power, his authority, his love, his relentlessness. All these thoughts would generate great joy amongst, the, amongst God's people and they would worship him because of it. Our takeaway from this is how often have we sat and just allowed ourselves to be in awe of who God is? How often have we thought of his attributes? How often we've thought of his character? How often do we sit and just ponder the greatness of his love, the greatness of his sacrifice in sending his one and only son? I think when we do this, in that there would be a great gratitude that wells up in our hearts which would produce joy in knowing that God must value us so much that he wants us to know who he is. He wants it so badly that he was willing to sacrifice his one and only son. The second part of this is, uh, is similar as well. Do we live our lives on autopilot or do we take time to be aware of all the good things that God is doing around us? God is always at work on our behalf and continues to uh, order every small detail in our lives. He has never left us nor will he forsake us. Sometimes we have been blinded by the lie of self-reliance and it's a sin that we need to confess. Whether it is our busyness, our lack of time to slow down, to reflect on how God is at work around it, or if it's the sheer pride of, of self-reliance, we need to recognize that God is around us. If we don't, we are going to miss out on the great joy that God has for us, for us to see him at work. God is a God who is in constant pursuit of us because he loves us and he knows that we are at our best when we are closest with him. So regardless of our human circumstances or situations, true joy is found in discovering who God is and how he is at work in our lives. So how do we become truly joyful people? How can it be said of us that our joy is truly complete as Jesus promised? Let's turn to John chapter 15 and starting in verse one, we'll look to see how he prescribes this joy. Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. 
He cuts off every branch in me that does not bear fruit, that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it'll be even more fruitful. You are already clean because the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you... If you do not remain in me, you are like the branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me, my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept the Father's command and remained in his love. I have told you this so that, you, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. In this passage, we find the Father, the Son, are excited and willing to play their roles. The Father sees us not as a lost cause because of the sin in our lives that rendered us useless and worthless, but through the sufficiency of Christ, he was willing not only to sustain us, but he was willing to graft us into his very family. We are showered with every spiritual blessing that can be found in Christ, and God is delighted to do so. Jesus' role is to fulfill everything the Father asked him to do asked him to do, and he, regre- he receives great joy in doing so. He became the bridge that, was the gap, that uh, covered the gap that our sin caused, and he laid down his life. His joy is complete, is completing the will of the Father and ushering us into the Father's presence. In Hebrews 4, we're reminded of uh, the work of Jesus by saying this, we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven. Jesus, the Son of God, let a, Jesus, the Son of God, let us home firmly to the faith we profess, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. So we see God, the Father, and we see Jesus, the Son, willing to play their roles So what is our role? What does it look like to abide in Christ? We are called to abide in Christ. The word abide, it implies and it implores us to be consistent with our walk with the Lord. We should never take it for granted. We should never grow dull of his presence. In him we find life. We find direction through his careful pruning. We find love and acceptance. So what does it look like to abide in Christ? What is it we are to do if we are to know the joy that comes fully from Christ? Throughout uh, studying this, uh, another another sentence uh, uh, to kind of concisely state what abiding looks like um, came to mind or uh, I wrote up. And this is just kind of a check that we can work through in our minds and our hearts prayerfully as we're considering whether we are in fact abiding in Christ or whether we've slipped back into self-reliance, whether we are seeking joy in Christ and through Christ or whether we're seeking joy outside of Christ, which leads to sin. 
So a, a, a prayer to pray or a thought to think as you're considering what it looks like to abide is in this very moment, in whatever I am doing, however you are feeling, in whatever you are thinking, could God receive those actions, feelings, or thoughts as worships, as worship? In whatever you are doing, however you are feeling, in whatever you are thinking, could God receive those actions, feelings, or thoughts as worship? We've all heard critics say that Christianity is just a religion of the things that we cannot do. If you are a good Christian, don't do this, don't do that. This morning, we're not gonna be able to get into the list of all the thoughts, feelings, ideas that are good and all the ones that are bad that would grieve the heart of God. But I trust that as you begin this conversation, as you begin abiding with Christ, that he will, in fact, direct you into the things that bring true joy, not only for him, but also for you. He will steer you away from the things that you should not be seeking for joy, things that would lead you away from the Father's heart, things that would lead you to sin. But know that as he steers you away from the things that used to capture your heart, he is steering you back to himself because in him is where we find our true joy. To close our time this morning, I'd like to reread this passage of scripture. And we know from uh, Galatians 5 that one of the fruits of the spirits is joy. So as we read this prayerfully, mindfully, I'm going to insert the word joy where the word fruit appears. And I'm not a big fan of changing scripture. I think God wrote it very perfectly the way it is. But I think in the emphasis of what we're trying to accomplish this morning, I think that this would be permittable. And it allows us to truly focus in and see how joy only flows from the Father. And uh, it's the joy that we're supposed to be seeking. I am the true vine. And my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no joy. While every branch that does bear joy, he prunes so that it'll be even more joyful. You already are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I remain in you. No branch can bear joy by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you, dear. Neither can you bear joy unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, I in you, you will bear much joy. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. This is, this is to my Father's glory and it'll bear much joy showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands. And remain in his love. And remain in his love. I have told you this, so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. Would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you so much that before the creation of the world, you set us apart to be your sons, to be your daughters, to understand and to know what your love is. And Father, we are so grieved by the sin that's in our hearts. 
And Father, sometimes we believe the lie that that sin has something to offer us, some joy to, to give us, something for us to experience. But Lord, we pray that you would quickly prune that out of our lives so that we could understand where true joy comes from. And that's from being close and walking with you. Lord, we know that you can uh, turn uh, all the things that this world caused to harm us into something that is good. And we pray that you would do that in our lives. We pray that we would know joy and the fullness of joy by knowing you more and seeking to do the will of the Father just like your son did when he came to this earth and offered himself as a ransom for our sins. We pray that in this new year that we would be people that are filled with joy so that the people around us would be inquisitive to wonder where that joy comes from. And Lord, humble us to be able to point only to you because you are the author and the perfecter of our faith. You are the one who laid down your life to make our faith possible. And we thank you for that. In Christ's name.